Yeah. So I got my boat tie on, yeah. I could be chillin' now. So I got my dad hat on, yeah. Wow, wow. I could be chillin' now. So I got my dad hat on, yeah. I could be suitin' up. So I got my bow tie on, yeah. Dad hats and bow ties, dad hats and bow. Dad hats and bow ties, dad hats and bow. I could be suitin' up. So I got my bow tie on, yeah. I could be chillin' now. So I got my dad hat on, yeah. Dad hats and bow ties, dad hats and bow. Dad hats and bow ties, dad hats and bow ties. So you're a squirter. I'm a squirter. Oh my god, dad. Yeah, I am. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, he's absolutely right. We're all right. adult here. Yeah, we're grown-ups. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but here. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Listen, I'm on demon time today. <laughs> We're going to start off like this. Let's go. You know, a lot of girls be thinking my songs are about them. But this is not to get confused. This one's for you. Let's go. Baby, you my everything. You all I ever wanted. You know the vibe? You can do it real big. Bigger than you ever done it. You be up on everything. Other hoes ain't never on it. I want this forever. I swear I can spend whatever on it. It's feeling like summer in spring. Every time I hit up. When I get right, I promise that we gon' live it up. She made me beg for it. Till she give it up. And I say the same thing every single time. Hey. I say you the fucking best. You the fucking best. You the fucking best. Listen. Y'all gotta remember exactly where y'all were when this song dropped. I was in the gym. Work it out. It was summer. It was lit. Let's go. There's no one there. Put the key under the mat and you know I'll be over there. I'll be over there. Shout it. I'll be over there. I'll be hitting all the spots that you ain't even And maybe they dropped them, but that's when I heard it. You don't even have to ask twice. You can have my heart or we can share it like the last slice. Always felt like you were so accustomed to the fast life. Have a nigga thinking that he met you in a past life. Sweatpants, hair tied, chilling with no makeup on. That's when you're the prettiest. I hope that you don't take it. Let's go. Trip when friends say you ain't bringing Drake along. You know that I'm working out here as soon as I make it home. Yes. Is she a patient in my waiting room? Never pay attention to the rumors and what they assume. Huh? And until them girls prove it, I'm the one that never get confused, confused with. with. Baby, you my everything. You all I ever. Let's get it. Now I don't know why y'all was hating on this song. I get it. The theme ain't Jamaican. <laughs> y'all, y'all different. But it sound good. Bad girl, bad name, yeah. oh, she put it in reverse on the bed. Huh? Tell your body bad like danger. A bad flavor with no chase. Shansia. Say if you're freaky, you can link up with me. Take it easy and don't rush. Be discreet. It's a private helicopter. And honestly, we gotta talk about it. Cause y'all like doing freaky shit. But then when somebody talk about it in the song, now all of a sudden it's not part of y'all culture. I don't know. I seen y'all niggas WWE some pussy into a nigga face, jump off a speaker, and put some pussy in a nigga face. But she can't talk about being curious? Come on. Oh my God. Freaky, freaky, freaky. Have them a wonder who I teach me, send them love out. 
It's Aries season, so shout out to my girl Jaden Zoe. Let's go. It's my favorite song from her. Let's go. Chip. What is love? Somebody tell me. Single individual so right now. So yeah. I feel so empty. I, I feel so misty. Uh-huh. Giving you a little acoustic on a Monday. You just gotta rock out to it. You just gotta rock out. All of you, what it takes for a girl like me. Beautiful, beautiful, let's go. Take your time with me. Take your time. We about to get into the show after this one. After this one, let's go. Listen, I know where I was when this dropped too. This was definitely summertime. I was dating a shorty at the time, and this song encapsulated everything. On me. What you need, I guess. Quickly. Yo, where good shots at? <laughs> Got me fucked up. We must build before the back. Doing that. That's what we're doing. Did it over text and call me. Still got love for your mom. I know you wanna be somebody. I was with Shorty one week. She was with another nigga the next. Yo, y'all don't know what type of time I'm on today. I'm on demon time. It's a, it's really a problem. Raw and uncut. Let's go. I'm trying to give y'all what that Patreon gonna be like. God, can't let that rock too much longer. I done let the whole song play out. Welcome to another episode of Dads and Bowties. It is the Kid XAB. Today is Distinguished's mother's birthday, so he is not joining me today. I want everybody to give her a shout out. Now, I mean, if you haven't already, you know, some of uh, uh, some of the listeners are close enough to be able to do that. Um, Others, you know what I mean, you could just go on his page and shower him with love and his mother with love for, for her birthday. So I'm recording on her birthday, but you already know this drops the day after. Um, so yeah, y'all, if y'all ain't, ain't, if y'all ain't pick up on it yet, I'm in a good mood. All right. This, this episode is going to be a little different. 
Okay, so bear with me. I'm sorry in advance. I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's just a lot of there's a lot of tomfoolery out there. Um, that you know, what I mean, like the schedule. Sometimes this is why we working on getting y'all at Patreon. So maybe we could give y'all a little extra, you know, dose of dad hats and bow ties for the shit that we end up missing because we ain't catch this when it first came out because it came out I think on a Monday last week. Um, but I'm gonna get into I'm gonna get into the the topics of the show in a little bit. I must start with the on man moment. Um, and so over the weekend, I was hanging out with one of my friends, and we were playing this game. It's a game that allows you to get to know people better. So it asks like different questions and things like that. And one of the questions that she got to ask me was, "What is something?" Or I, I asked her rather, what is something that you think I am unaware of? And she hit me with some side spin shit that had me on the floor dying. She said, yo, ex, I don't think you realize when you be posted all them bitches. And she ain't said it that way. She don't curse. She don't do all that. But uh, I got to listen. I got to put the energy because that's what she wanted to say. I don't give a fuck <laughs> if she hears this and tells me that's not she's lying. But basically, what she said is, when you be posting all them bitches, I don't think you you realize how much that could be like a turnoff to people. And I was like, "What you? <laughs> I ain't get to get my shit off because like that's not how the game works. Like I couldn't even respond. But now I'm gonna get my shit off because <laughs> it's a podcast. It's my show." I'm gonna respond now So I was like yo what you mean And she was like nah because it's like If someone is interested or someone was interested in you They see you constantly put Like beautiful women up or women I be posting strippers y'all Like I just think that the pole of The art the art form of, of pole dancing is beautiful But I be, I be posting some strippers sometimes on my IG So that's what she was referring to she was like, yo, you be posting like strippers and shit, like someone who might be interested in you might look at you and be on some like, oh, what is this nigga on type shit? So I was like, naturally, like I said, I ain't get to respond in the moment, but now I'm responding. And my response is like the female body, women in general are just beautiful works of art. I love to admire Different women, and I am blessed enough, right? Shout out to Jaden Zoe. I just played her song. I am blessed enough to have a lot of beautiful women as friends. And so, like, I'm often bigging up individuals that I know, and they just happen to be supermodels or like semi famous artists. It's not my fault. Like, this is, it's just my life. You know what I mean? So, I'm always going to big up my peoples. But her response to that, I did get to say a little bit of that. But her response to that is, you don't always be posting everybody. That's a lie. I be posting everybody. Sometimes I'm asked to post. And sometimes I just know based off of, you know what I mean, past experiences. Oh, let me post this shit. You know what I mean? This is something that. That person is going to need or appreciate And of course don't blame me Blame the algorithm I'm not seeing everybody's shit 
Okay? Otherwise, I'll post it. If you want me to post it, listen, if y'all hear this episode and you want me to post some shit that you are promoting, if it if it's Bufuku, I'm not posting it. Like, if it's some dirt shit, I'm not giving that to my followers. I'm sorry. But if it's some real shit, like, I, I have no problem posting. And <laughs> I'm lit. Like, I'm on it today. The people that you see me posting often tell me I don't post them. So y'all got a posting issue. That, that's what that sounds like. Y'all got a posting issue. This is not an XAB issue. This is a y'all issue. Everybody want niggas to post extra shit. Listen, the algorithm on Instagram, Twitter, all these places is fucked. Us posting, reposting is going to help you like this much. They lying to us. Okay. They want you to go buy the blue check and then maybe you'll get a little bit more reach. You'll get a little bit more. But... My question is this within my on man moment. I have a question now for the audience. Is it a turn off to you or is it something that you take into consideration when because it was brought up in this conversation? When you're interested in a man. Is it a turn off if you see that he's constantly posting other women, he just posting Women, he might even put like a little caption or something that's like, yo, she's dope, go follow her. Or like, just doesn't say anything. Like, does that turn y'all off? Do you have a problem with that? Or is it something that you're more like, well, you know what I mean? It's cool. Especially if it's like you're someone you're interested in, you just haven't, y'all haven't really solidified anything. You're just interested. You see this person and you're like, yo, you know, I would be interested in dating or I would be interested in this going somewhere. Maybe y'all been on a date or two, but y'all haven't really connected fully. So I really want to know the answer to that. I want to know if y'all agree that if you were interested in the guy, you went on his page and you saw him posting and in his stories, you see different women or you see him bigging up women. Would that be something that would make you be like, uh, I don't know. He looked like he for the streets or because that's what I felt like she was trying to say. I felt like she was trying to say I'm for the streets. And that's farthest from the truth. OK, I'm not I, I'm not for the streets. I just like to support. Um, But yeah. Now, my second all man, I'm going to give you all two since it's just me today. My second all man is I'm having a debate with somebody and we're talking about medium rare versus medium well now black folks i understand that most of us have been taught all our life that you got to get shit well done and the 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 the, like if you want to test the waters you can get medium well like (laughs) that is the range I'm here to tell y'all today, if you're getting your steak well done, if you're getting your burgers, I, your burgers you could get well done. I wouldn't advise it. I would say medium, medium rare will give you a really rich, soft te- texture that you're probably not used to in eating a burger and it's going to change your life. But if you want to stay in the medium range and get well done, you can get away from it. You can get away with it. I'm sorry. You can get away with it with a burger. You can. 
But with steak, you're eating a fucking hockey puck, okay? <laughs> y'all niggas is out here letting them serve you hockey pucks. <laughs> y'all eating that shit. <laughs> fucking chewing on that cow meat for 45 minutes. Like y'all ain't got no teeth. <laughs> Stop getting that shit. Stop. Stop getting them steaks fucking well done, man. <laughs> shit is a carcinogen at that point. Niggas is eating fucking cancer meat. Stop. Get this shit medium. And, and, and it's okay to get the medium rare. I know. Y'all don't want to see no blood. I get it. But that's not how cow meat supposed to be cooked. Not supposed to be rubbery like that way you chewing until tomorrow. It's not supposed to be like that. So, you know what I mean? Just try it. Without the whole hoopla of, oh, my God, it's bloody. Da, da, da. My friend over here making it seem like she keep telling me, yo, if you eat medium rare, that means you can eat anything. Like I'm out here eating period patches. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like I'm out here eating pads. <laughs> what the fuck is going on, son? <laughs> Y'all niggas need to get some culture. Okay. Fuck. All right. So let's get into these topics. So, of course, we got to talk about the freak nasty, nasty freak ass nigga. The Dalai Lama this week. Now, listen. Hey, usually I don't like talking about people's religious leaders. I don't like to criticize anybody's religion, anything like that. Everybody has their own spiritual journey that they are to walk. And I don't think that anybody should ever make anyone feel less than or embarrassed about or persecuted for their beliefs and their religion got to get that out the way that being said this shit is outside of religion okay this freak nasty shit is not about anything religious this is just wild behavior okay the dalai lama acting like a nigga that's got a bad chick over the crib for the first time and he trying to see how far he could go okay First, he gave a little forehead action. Then he got a little kiss on the cheek. And then kiss on the lips. And then, boom! Suck my tongue. Like, what the fuck? The little boy went there for a hug and left with a tongue in his face. Now, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where the world is going. I have no idea... My man didn't even have a second thought about, yo, I'm about to put my tongue in his face. He didn't. He just went straight for it. Like, cameras, audience. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, suck my tongue. And I don't know. The videos I also blurted out. I got some accounts that said that the boy actually did suck the tongue. I got other accounts that said that he asked him to suck the tongue, but the kid didn't suck the tongue. I don't know. All I know is when this freak Nick documentary drops the Dalai Lama is going to be somewhere in the background okay <laughs> he might be pussy popping on a handstand or he might be doing some other shit I don't know but the shit is crazy so this podcasting game revolves around a lot of us talking about the lives the decisions the things that people do in the limelight. Like, there is really no way around it unless you are doing, it depends on your niche. But if you're in this entertainment side of the podcast realm, 
I understand that you got to make content. And sometimes the content has to go around criticizing others. Now, that has some bow ties. We tend to do it only to people that we deem to deserve the criticism. And usually when there is something that is kind of in a neutral space or there is more than one way to think about it, you will hear us clash. Like, we don't oftentimes have the same opinions, especially when D-Flow is here. But you have to have... When you give criticism, you have to have integrity. And ain't no way Tasha K thought she had any type of integrity with that fucking wig she had on her head. Okay? That wig looked tired. It looked like it needs some milk. It need a nap. It needs some oil, Vaseline, something. Stop. You can't be on camera. Like, shit, if you did that off camera, maybe it would have had more integrity. But you can't be on camera. With bundles by cousin it talking about somebody else. You can't do it. You had the Cardi is clearly getting her money wig on and had the nerve to talk about, oh, beg the stallion every time she opened her mouth, she sound ratchet. <laughs> what? Do you not look at what the fuck is on the top of your head? You ha- Do you have a cross-promotional deal with the Adams family? <laughs> Cousin It, you know what I mean? Like, you trying to get that money? I, I, I don't know. Did they place you in Wednesday? You had a dusty ass fucking mop on top of your head talking about somebody else being ratchet. The shit looked like it had a mind of its own. You look tired too. <laughs> now I I don't like to. This is women's business. I don't like to be in women's business. You know what I mean? Like I I'd rather y'all handle that. But I also don't like bullies. And I feel like Tasha K was trying to bully that girl for no reason. Meg just started to pop back out, right? She just went through a really really long, drawn out case with. A lot of nasty things being said about her. A lot of things in limbo. You had a lot of people who thought she was lying. You had a lot of people who thought that she might have been setting up this other individual. And so Meg did, and we said this on previous episodes, Meg Meg did the right thing. She took some time away. She got herself right. Got her body right, got her mind right. I'm sure she did some spiritual healing as well. And now she's coming back into the limelight. And the first thing you do, she ain't been back in the limelight more than a month. And the first thing you're thinking about is how to criticize her about her quote unquote ratchetness. That's just bullying. That's what got your dumb ass. In the position that you're in now where you owe people bread. Because you just had to be salacious that you went and put out a false story as fact. And now you getting beat up so bad financially that you thought, yo, honestly, I would have, 
if you down bad like that, I honestly would have preferred for you to come out with the straight backs. You should have came on camera with the Meeks. Like, I would have respected that a whole lot more than what the fuck that was. That shit looked like it needs some milk. It looked tired. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got to handle that. Put that shit to bed. Don't bring that shit back out. Stop. Stop now. Because you got me out here now. <laughs> feeling like I'm being the bully. I don't like that either. <laughs> but I got to call it how I see it. <laughs> you had some cement on the top of your head. Sculpted. <laughs> that shit looked like it couldn't move. It couldn't do nothing. Okay. <laughs> don't do that again. Please. Please. Listen, if you can't buy the, the you know what I mean? If you got to get the $30 wig. Then just make the better decision. And just just come out with the meeks, man. Just do that. Do that for me. Do that for us. All right. So let's get into Nick Cannon. Um, now, when this news initially broke that Nick Cannon was on a I'm trying to fuck the world tour, a lot of podcasters jumped out and kind of tried to defend that behavior. You know, a lot of people said if. He got the money for it. It don't really matter. Like he should be able to do what he want. Um, nobody's getting hurt in the process. And it never sat right with me. I never, I never could condone his behavior. Now, let me preface the rest of my statements by saying this first. I think Nick Cannon is actually a cool dude. I've seen him do a lot of different things, um, charity wise for communities it was about two years ago i was out promoting trying to um get some things done within the inner uh inner city and look out for certain communities and nick cannon was actually at the event that i was at and i don't think he planned like it wasn't like he was hired to be there for the day or anything like that like i think he just pulled up to support and I think that's really dope. Like, and Nick does things like that. He does charity. He will go to like block parties and just pull up and support. And he's a, he's a good dude. So overall, overall, I think that Nick Cannon is a good dude. That does not excuse corny behavior though. Like you could be a good dude and do some corny shit. I'm sure people Think that I'm a good dude and think I do corny things sometimes, right? It can happen. This I'm trying to have 511 kids is corny as fuck. Okay. The reasoning that he put out in the past is corny. I don't like the reasoning, but more importantly, as I've been saying and pointing out, it is not a tangible approach to raising a family. Or having a family. You can't have kids in LA, Wisconsin, probably in Africa, and we don't know about it. You can't have kids all over the, the nation and the world and think that you can equally give your time to them. And that was proven with the man forgetting one of his children's name. That is not supposed to happen. Like it might happen. Between you and your spouse, if you have like upwards of eight kids or whatever, I get it. You know what I mean? Like 
it could happen, but it's not supposed to happen on a public platform where you are talking about your family and you publicly forget one of the kids. That's not supposed to happen. And that's not supposed to go out there, even if it does happen. You need to find a way. Yep. Run that tape back. Like that ain't what we should be doing. That ain't what we should be applauding. And we do when niggas have money. We let niggas who have money get away with corny shit. And that was my point with the podcasters from before jumping out the window and was like, well, you know what I mean? If you want to have as many kids as he could support, he should be able to do that. That's the problem. He can't support them. Finances and money is not the only means of support. And it's not the most important, I think, when it comes to family. How many stories have we heard where families were destitute, but the kids never even knew? The kids said they had the time of their life growing up. Like, sometimes it's been the opposite. Most of the time, maybe yours 50-50 in terms of, yeah, being, living destitute is not what you want to continue to do. Or at some point, it might have hindered your childhood. But there have been a lot of success stories where... Young people, I mean, where successful people have said, yo, I was playing with them dollar, them 99 cent army men for most of my childhood. I didn't even know that they were like toy toys out there, but I had the time of my life. Like I enjoyed myself. Finances aren't the only thing that if you're providing that, that means that you're taking care of home and you're taking care of your family. I don't know what happens when the child becomes of age and they see this interview and they see that daddy forgot my name, what type of effect does that have? Like there is more to life than simply being able to write a check and cut a check. And let's be honest. This is all just a ploy and a scheme (laughs) To distract us from the fact that Nick Cannon's pullout game is clearly weak. It, it is not top notch. Okay. I don't know all these kids is playing. I don't give a fuck about the contracts, the NDAs. I don't care about the interviews where he's talking about. Yeah, no, no, no. We all sat down and we, we said, you know what I mean? I think this is how the conversation really goes. Yo, babe, if you get pregnant, I prefer... That we take care of the child. Is that going to happen? And the woman has to sign the contract of if she gets pregnant, then she's going to take the child to term. But that if is there. That's how it goes in my scenario. The if is prevalent. However, Nick just fails to pull the fuck out. He be swimming in the pussy. He fall asleep. He get caught slipping and he got another child on the way. And of course, of course, if I'm a model, then I might be a high end model. I might be making money on my own, but now I'm getting money, money. Now I'm being brought into a circle of money that I might not have done or had before. So, of course, I'm cool. There are plenty of, of, of single women with kids with less. So. I'm cool with it. But that ain't how it's supposed to go. 
If we if we keep it in a stack, if we keep it in a buck. And I think that, again, integrity would let you know at some point I'm doing myself, my family, and my kids a disservice by having so many, especially because I work in entertainment. So it's not like I'm even in a static, stable situation where we all live in this one area and I can just bounce around different neighborhoods and see all the kids. I might be in L.A. for three months. I might be in New York for four months. I might have to go to Atlanta for two months. Like I'm not able to stay in these places to even give my time adequately because of the demands of work, let alone the amount. So at this point in time, AI Rihanna might get a platinum single before real Riri. So we got to talk about AI again. We got to revisit that conversation. Now, we've already covered the dangers. We've already spoken about how this can have a negative impact on society. Uh, you know, the deep fakes, uh, what it's doing to the music industry, scaring the shit out of the music industry, obviously, with this ability to kind of have artists seem like they appeared on any song, have artists uh, do a feature they didn't really do. Like, there are a lot of different ways that this can disrupt the music industry, and it's scary. Um, There was another report that came out this week about some scammers who used AI to mimic the voice of somebody's daughter and make it seem like that person was in trouble and request money. Now, they've been doing this scam for a minute. Um, Just AI has probably gotten a lot better. So I don't know if this happens to many people, but it happens to me a lot. You'll get a phone call from a random ass number. And when you answer it, there's nobody on the other line. So you'll be sitting there like, hello, hello, yo, who is this? They are copying your voice at that point to then generate an AI version of your voice that is going to sound like you're in some type of trouble. So they'll write a script that's like, hey, mom, I'm really in trouble. Um, I need like $3,000 right now. Um, my car is in the shop and I need to get home. Something like that. The reason why I'm highlighting this is because it was done to my grandmother um, once, but luckily she didn't fall for it. Um, they called my grandmother and asked her for, for, I don't remember the amount of money, but they asked her to give her an amount of money and then she called my mom and my mom called me and I was at work. Um, and she was like, you're not on da 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 I'm like, you're clearly talking to me and I'm at work. So no, I'm not in any hospital or anything like that. Um, but that's disgusting. It's nasty and it's dangerous. A lot of people could get caught with something like that. You, you see uh, a number and it was like they had a number similar to mine, but it was off by a digit or some shit like that. So you'll see things like that. And that's the way of the world. It's very unfortunate. But as soon as something that has the ability 
to be used in a positive light comes out, there are a lot of people that run to find out how to use it negatively. And as much as we want our audience to be aware of that component of AI, and I think we've made that very, very clear. Today, I want to do something a little different. I want to focus on the ways that you can use AI positively. Because this is not all bad. It's very easy to fall into the hysteria. And it seems like that is the approach a lot of the social media blogs and a lot of even news outlets want you to focus on. And I'm going to tell you right now that that's a mistake. I'm going to tell you why. When the internet came about, late 80s, 90s, when the internet started to become a real thing, there was mass hysteria around the internet. Y2K came about. There was this looming doomsday that was supposed to happen in 2000 based off of the new technology not being able to roll over appropriately. Um, and so the internet was going to bring about doomsday and many of the conversations that are being had now were being had then this new technology is a new way for them to track us. This new technology is in the Bible. This new technology means that the mark of the beast, like a lot of these conversations started to happen. Computer chips, they're going to put them in you. Da, 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 da. I'm not discrediting any If anybody believes that I'm not discrediting that I'm just saying The conversations that are happening today Happened then And then There was The dot com Boom Right There wasn't too much doomsday about that But there was a lot of Issues in terms of who got rich and who didn't. And that's what I want to focus on. Don't miss the booms. Don't miss the ability to get in front of these new technologies and these new trends and these new movements. Because that is how a lot of people are getting rich. The next boom after the dot-com era, which a lot of people got rich off of the dot-com era... Was you guessed it Social media And what happened A lot of us missed that train Why How Because There was doom Around that as well There's still a lot of doom Around social media In regards to What is it doing To productivity What is it doing To the youth Is this a good Thing for society or is it something that is pulling society back and I'm again I'm not saying that those conversations are wrong because there's definitely way more than enough evidence to suggest that social media can have an addictive nature social media can lead people into extreme think tanks um, and social media can be used as a tool to divide can be used to kind of make you an advertising Monkey, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, 
Like social media has its issues, but it also has its positives. And the ones who focused on the positive ways to use social media are the ones who are now at the forefront of social media. I'm talking about influencers. I'm not talking about the people who created it. The creators don't know if it's going to be a boom or a bust. But I'm talking about those who then got the tool as a consumer and or common person and then found a way to utilize it to then put them in a position to get some form of leadership, status or finance. We call them influencers when we talk about social media. Don't miss this boom. Don't let the fear and hysteria that's being pushed stop you from exploring the different AI tools that are coming out and that can be really, really helpful. They have AI assistants. They have AI trackers for health. Now, granted, again, a lot of this has the back door of someone might be able to track your data. Somebody might be able to find out certain things about you through you using the tools the way you use them. But again, you want to be able to explore what is out there while the frontier is new. This is like the gold rush. This is like when they everybody came to America and they were exploring different parts of the continent, right? Like, you want to... You don't want to wait until the gold rush. I like that example better because I don't like the you know colonialism. But you want to be the one that as at, is at the forefront of the gold rush. You don't want to be in the middle of the pack. And you damn sure don't want to be at the tail end of the gold rush um, situation. And that's really what it is right now. AI is emerging you want to be in the forefront of that and if you notice your your favorite social media influencers are all trying to position themselves in certain ways to look like they are very knowledgeable or the leaders in regards to ai i'm gonna tell you something right now nobody knows what the fuck is going on with ai All this shit seems to have just popped up in the last two months in terms of the consumer view of it, right? It was last year, a lot of conversations about AI and they making computers that are being defiant and all these different things. And then next thing you know, all these different tools came out at the same time about deep fakes, voice changing, and now all these assistant tools, um, smart ways of removing backgrounds. A lot of this just came at one time, so nobody fully understands what is happening with AI. But that's not going to stop them from looking like they do and becoming the leaders, right? And there's two things that happen. Not only if you position yourself to look like a leader in an area where you really can't be wrong because it's emerging, right? You just use a little bit of common sense when... You speak about it, you will sound like you know what you're talking about. So 
within looking like it, like it, you become it, but also you're doing your research on it. So you actually do become a leader on it. You don't just look like one. You become the leader in actuality, in reality, because you're doing the research while others are online talking about this is the end of the world. This is doomsday. And again, I'm not discrediting that because we all are aware of the negative aspects of it. But that's the point. We all are aware of the negative so much so that I feel like more people are aware of where the negative aspects of this can go more so than the positive aspects. No one's really focusing on how AI can improve lives. Nobody's focusing on the idea that if you can use AI to check in with regarding your task list and it can put in succession what it thinks will help you knock out and be most productive and efficient that it might improve your days. Nobody's really talking about those uses of AI. It's all about how AI is going to either replace or destroy. But right now, if we're keeping it honest, AI is not in that position. And I'm going to do a, a, I'm going to create some videos about AI in the future. Um, So if you want more of my thoughts and takes on it in, in depth, then I definitely suggest heading over to the YouTube channel um, and figuring that out. But in the meantime, right now, AI is not in a place where it can fully replace or destroy human society. AI is in a place where it can definitely assist in a lot of areas. The other thing that you have to understand is that AI and robotics have to line up at some point to get to the to the point where a lot of people are losing jobs in mass. And I'm not too sure if we're going to get to that point. I think jobs are going to change. Um, we are going to lose jobs. Just putting it out there. We are going to lose jobs, especially in the low skill sector. But and that's not to discredit any individual who is in the low skill sector, but there are jobs that exist that don't take a lot of training or knowledge to do. You can almost pick up anybody and put them in that job. Those jobs, I believe, are, are the ones that are most at risk. And again, I said I'll do a, a more in-depth video about it, but those are the ones that are most at risk. Um, however, AI can be a tool, especially for the entrepreneur. I want everybody to be very clear about this because I want us to, as a community, become the leaders. Just go to your favorite influencer, podcaster right now, beyond the cultural ones. Go to any of the business ones. That's what I want y'all to do. Listen to how the business influencers and podcasters talk about AI. It's very important to pay attention to things like that. They're not focused on the doom and gloom. They're often trying to promote, yo, this is a new AI tool that I came across. You should check it out. It does X, Y, and Z. They're doing that purposely so that they now look like, yo, they kind of have an understanding of this AI thing. I need to go to them now and figure out how this is all going to work. 
So as this industry emerges and becomes way more prominent within everyday life, I'm going to keep going to so-and-so because when AI first came out, they looked like they knew exactly what was happening. They were calm. They were steady. And that's just human nature. That's how leaders are born oftentimes. It's the one who within the, the storm that is coming is chilling and saying, all right, everybody, this is what we got to do. That's the one that everyone tends to look at and look for and be like, yo, whatever they say to do, I'm trying to do. So that is everybody's homework. Tailored gang. I'm trying to I'm trying to create one of, you know, them hive shits. Tailored gang, not Taylor gang, tailored gang. I need tailored gang. You know what I mean? Because of the dads, you know what I mean? And bow ties. That has some bow ties, glasses and bow ties. Um, that's the album, but that has some bow ties. You know what I mean? So tailored game. Okay. But that's what I really want y'all to do, though. Um, look at a lot of the business platforms on social media. Listen to a lot of the business uh, podcasts regarding AI. And you will notice a common theme that most people within those sectors are not focused on how can this be a terrible thing for industry and they're focused on all right well this is the these are the ways that we can use this to improve industry and oftentimes you're not hearing about we trying to get rid of everybody there are just certain jobs that at this moment in time you just can't get rid of because they surround and they revolve around human interaction You'll never get rid of the jobs that are focused on the quality of experience between two or more humans interacting with one another because that's the whole purpose of the job, right? Like just for shits and giggles. Even if AI gets to a point of understanding emotional intelligence to where it could be a therapist, Idealistically, it could be a therapist. You walk into a room and there is a robotics or you walk into a room and there's nothing there but a voice, an AI voice that is talking to you and asking you to listen to your problems. There are going to be people that are interested in that. There are going to be people that prefer not to have any type of human interaction. So that might be something they would want to do. But there's going to be a large portion of the population that doesn't want that because therapy is not about simply having your thoughts and feelings and troubles and woes listened to and getting solutions and getting things suggested to you for you to follow. It goes beyond that. Part of it is the human connection of two individuals or more. Being able to sit together in a humanistic experience, feeling heard and feeling understood by another human being. You can't get rid of that. You can try. But we're far away from skin graphing robots and making them look extremely human. I know that there's some videos that are, are floating around where they do have some like 
robots with faces and but we're far away from that being a mass manufacturing thing that humans are going to be a hum, the robots are going to look so human that a human is not going to be able to tell the difference. I don't think we're there yet. And by far away, I mean shit, that could be 10 years. The technology is improving super super fast. Nonetheless, that human to human experience, I just think you can't can't get rid of it. Um on in mass. I don't think most people are going to prefer that and service industries and stuff like that. And again, I said I'll go more in depth into this uh in a in a separate YouTube uh, channel video. So definitely look out for that. I will let y'all know when it drops. But my point still stands. Don't lean into the the gloom and doom. Because even if that is the case, there's nothing we can do at this point. The genie's out of the bottle. It's here. We can regulate. And that's most likely what we'll have to do. We will definitely need to go into regulation regarding how and when and who can use these tools. But I liken it to gun laws. I liken it to weapon laws, things like that. Like not every bike laws. You can't have a certain bike in certain states. Right. Like it can't be over a certain amount of of speed limits that it can go. You can't have certain guns as a citizen. You can have guns, but you can't have certain certain ones. Ain't nobody in America just chilling with a bazooka legally. You know, they just got a bazooka in their background ready. They they backyard ready to use at any moment in time. And so that's probably the next step. Right. Is what is something that should be accessible to everybody and what is going to be too disruptive for everybody to have access to. Therefore, we want to make sure to regulate it and we want to make sure to have some rules regarding it. So that's the next step. The next step is in Terminator. (laughs) Not yet. But again, within it, try to become an emerging leader in this time. Don't get swallowed by the uncertainty and the hysteria because you're going to end up missing the bubble. Just like during COVID, COVID is another great example. And a lot of people were looking at the stock market and saying, yo, if we play it this way, we can make a lot of money. And then they did it. We missed that boom, too. You know what I mean? The NFT... All of that, I mean, the NFT boom was very, very short. The Bitcoin and digital currency is not dead, but the glory days, we haven't seen glory days in digital currency for a long time now, for longer than many of the experts predicted, because everybody kept saying, yo, buy low, buy low, and it's going to go up, but it hasn't really rebounded to the point where it was. It, It is rebounding to some extent, but... That's still that if you're talking about uh three to five years, that boom, we we missed when it was at its its peak. It may go back to another peak, but I'm talking about the previous peak that everybody is aware of when Bitcoin was, I think, damn near 
I think it actually was valued at it was either valued at seventy thousand a coin or a hundred thousand a coin. And right now it's valued at thirty. The last time I checked. Um, but yeah, you don't want to miss the next boom. You don't want to miss the next thing. NFTs just it never caught on because it never made any sense. That's that's the reality of that. Um, so I'm not mad at nobody that missed that boom. <laughs> to be honest. It it was one of those things I call those uh luxury stocks. I call those things that when you're already up, that's what you gamble in. That's what you see if you can make some additional money. And if you're a common person, I I never would have suggested NFTs. I'm not a financial guru, but just based off of looking at how the market worked. NFTs just seemed like it was piggybacking off of digital currency. There was all this talk about Web3, um, the metaverse. And unfortunately, it was too connected to that. So if something happened to the metaverse, then something was definitely happening to NFTs. And what happened? Lo and behold, the metaverse is not taking off as quickly as they thought. And I think part of it is is due to the technology of graphics. The graphical designs that they've used for the metaverse and some of the metaverse games and things that you can do, it, it's not appealing enough to make everybody run to it. It doesn't look real enough. It looks like a big Sims game. Um, and I don't think that's going to do it. I don't think looking like Sims 2.0 is going to make people run out and and buy an Oculus and do what they thought it was going to do, where people, again, were buying land in the meta metaverse, 200,000 they spend in in the metaverse instead of buying a real home. So, again, luxury that that's a luxury item to gamble in and like i said a luxury stock it's not a stock but that is one of those things that you a luxury investment rather that's that's the word i was looking for luxury investments if you're already up i don't think it's a bad idea to invest in the metaverse because it is one of those things that can boom at any moment in time and so even if you don't get the money the boom that you thought you would it's no loss but if you are a millionaire, a uh, hundred thousandaire, and you were like, eh, let me just throw 20K into this and see what happens. I wouldn't be mad at that. But a common person who's making 50K, you putting money in the metaverse, that's a big risk. That's a big gamble. I don't know if the return is there. And if it is, it's more like a lottery return. It's more of those situations where you just got more lucky than you read the market properly. Um. Nonetheless, we got another pretty solid industry in front of us right now. And we do not want to miss it following the social media trend of, oh, my God, this is dangerous. We need to stop it. It's not going to stop. It's, it's out. It's here. Nothing we could do about it. So how do you capitalize? How do you make it help the work that you're already doing? Or how do you make it help you 
build something new that can be added to this new emerging industry. You look at social media, when it first came out, it was about pretty pictures, or Instagram at least, or thoughts, quick thoughts. But that quickly turned into business. It turned into different ways that you could promote yourself and promote your business or brand. And you've seen common people turn into brands based off of that. There's a combo there. Here. I'm giving away the sauce right now. I really am. The combo here is social media is not going nowhere. As I mentioned before, new emerging industry. You can brand yourself around this new emerging industry. And why that works is because the algorithm is most likely going to be more kind to those hashtags, is going to be more kind to that content because so many people are curious and interested. And it's not a short boom where you can't build your following based off of it. Like a short boom is something that comes around. And by the time you try to build a following off of it, like a trend, something trendy happened within the week, by the time you try to build a following around it, it's over. And you didn't wasted your time. The curiosity around AI is going to be here for a couple of years. And that leads me right into our next conversation. New York City, Eric Adams is vowing that he will be introducing robots this summer. Yes, you heard me correctly. He is planning on introducing robots this summer to Times Square, and to, what did he say? Um, Oh, yes, and the robot dog is just going to be around. So they're going to have apparently two robot dogs, and they're going to have robots in Times Square that will be in the train station, predominantly in the train station. Um. First, they'll be accompanied by an officer. And then I guess apparently once they kind of see what the reaction will be, how people treat the robots, then maybe they will just introduce more and they will be solo dolo. Again, two ways to look at it. Is it a great idea? I don't think so. Uh, Because this technology and the usage of it by police is only going to develop. And I feel like when we talk about policing, we still haven't gotten to the core issues of what many find to be a problem with policing. And of course, the idea that will be promoted is, well, these robots are robots, so they're non-biased. Um, They make decisions based off of the law. If you break the law, then that is all they're looking for. They're not looking at race. They're not looking at sex, gender, nothing like that. They're just looking, you litter, they're going to come and give you a ticket for um, littering. But that's not the reality of the situation because there are humans behind coding. 
whoever that human is may have certain biases that they code into the system, especially when we're talking about advanced AI within a robot to determine what is happening within a situation. And you have to put AI in these robots. You have to put certain coding for them to read the difference between is this a funny situation? Is this a serious situation? Are these two people actually fighting or are these two people joking around? Right. You have to have some type of intelligent coding going into the robots for them to determine. Otherwise, you, you're going to create a, a panic and a hysteria. Or you have to have them be very, very limited. And then you have people question why they're even necessary. So if these are just glorified trash cans, maybe cool. Um, but don't say that they're here to help the city stay safe, which is what is being marketed as. So you can look at that. And it is scary because what's the next step, right? The dog they claim is only going to be used for like hostage situations or really, really um, dangerous situations where they don't want to put police or fire in there. At what point, though, does that be mean, all right, let's take some bodies off the street and let's put some robots in place. And again, under the guise of the robot is not biased. So if you got pulled over by the robot, you did something wrong. Almost 100% guarantee that you did something wrong. And then how much hostility do they put in these things? How much do you allow the robot to get physical with the human being. How are we building these robots? Are we building them to the point that humans can't hurt them? Or not even hurt, but humans can't destroy them. Humans can't run from them. If they grab you, that's it. (laughs) You ain't going nowhere because it can be built that way. Nobody's dumb. The ability to build them that way is there. How, How much can they fight? These shits learning judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and be able to choke you out in two seconds. There's a lot of questions that this will, that have to be answered. And that's not the type of robot they're introducing. The, the one looks like RTD, RT, R, R2D2. Damn, that, that took a minute. R2D2. That's what it looks like. R2D2 just running around. That, that, that's what it kind of looks like. Um. But the technology is going to advance and there's going to be someone who's going to say, yeah, let's let's make a a more humanoid one that can be a police officer, especially where it is like a gunfight. And we don't want to send our police over and not just going to stop at the dog. It's going to evolve. So that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is it is inevitable. Eric Adams has been very blatant and has said. I am not going to conform or bow down to the anti-robot establishment. He said some shit like that the other day. And I told y'all that this was happening. Society is going to end up being split with all these different advancements in technology converging at one time. That's going to be another YouTube video in itself as well. But essentially what we're talking about is on one end, you're going to have people who are so turned off by the idea of these new technologies 
that they are going to want to live simplistic lives with minimal tech involved. I wouldn't be surprised if you start to hear certain states adopt that type of mindset. You might have a Montana where it's a limited. Listen, just whatever technology is going to make you comfortable. That's what we subscribe to here in Montana. And then you're going to have these smart cities. Naturally, it's going to be L.A., Atlanta, New York. And there's reason behind it. Those cities are targets. So with them being targets to foolishness, uh, hostile acts, anything of the sort, they have a reason to advance technology in the cities and have it under the guise of safety. They do. And they will continue to lean into that. Again, the scary part there is AI is going to advance to a point where it's going to get predictive. And that is going to cause conflict. Not, I'll go into more depth at another time. But that's where it's scary. But again, that's where you have to look in it and say it is inevitable. So another emerging market in terms of and this might be not be for you cuz your kids will will when they say they want to go to college you might want to tell them robotics or coding at this point in time cuz that's looking like where the jobs are going to be but also in terms of decision making and fighting back in terms of regulation or what we find to be acceptable or deem to be acceptable for the city, the state, the country to adopt when it comes to robots and when it comes to AI. This is the tipping point. This is the turning point. All the imaginative shit that has been in movies, it's here. We ain't Jetsons yet, but that shit is coming too. I'm convinced now. But we are at the point where we're the the ones in history that either allow for the technology to get to a place where it is oppressive or we allow or we make our voices be known and we kind of curve and dictate how society uses these tools. But we can't say we have to stop the tools because just like we have an Eric Adams, there's going to be someone else that's going to be very pro tech and be like nah this is what we doing for whatever's allowing him to make that decision he might have information we don't where it's like yo this is really going to help the city or it could be that it's like yo this saves lives it saves police officers i don't know what's allowing him to make the decision i just know that the decision has been made and i know that it's not going to be rolled back that might be what somebody else i guess runs on but the tech is out. Uh, like I said, the genie is out of the bottle. Nobody's just going to be like, oh, you know what? Let's just stop doing this. So we haven't spoken about this much, um, but it is something that we cannot avoid anymore. And that that is in regards to the podcast wars that have been sparked recently. So about three weeks ago, Complex... Um, named Joe Budden as one, the number one media 
personality in hip hop. Um, they gave their reasons, the numbers, X, Y, and Z. Me personally, I agree. I think it's foolhardy to think that anybody else is doing what Joe is doing with his platform um, in the hip-hop realm. You can say what you want about Joe Budden, the person. Oftentimes, that is attached to allegations that surround him regarding women, uh, allegations that I must note he has denied, which makes it tricky for some. Because even when men deny allegations, somewhere down the road, they they turn out to be true. Um, so it always puts them in, I think, that box of being a potential abuser. Um, which I think makes many weary about anything Joe Budden. Nonetheless, Joe has found a way to reinvent himself from... A rapper that didn't have a very long rap career in terms of mainstream success. He's been rapping for a long period of time afterwards. And I think he did maintain the respect of many of his peers regarding his ability to write and his ability to rap. He did for a long period of time, even though his music wasn't creating singles for radio, things of that nature. But he reinvented himself. Put himself on love and hip hop probably wasn't the best look. He looked crazy on there. Uh, I think it added to the narrative that he is an explosive and potentially abusive individual. And then he reinvented himself again into a podcaster. And a lot of, well, before that, you had the complex stint that failed, which makes this even more interesting and I think more valid because him and complex did not have an amicable separation. But he had that stint, and then his podcast took center stage. And without a doubt, Joe Budden's podcast has been a staple in moving the podcasting landscape forward to what it is right now, which is one of the most dominant forms of entertainment. With all of that being said... A lot of people did not take heed to him being named number one. They didn't like it. You got what some would consider his arch nemesis to be in Charlemagne. And him and Charlemagne haven't fully, I guess, gotten over the last disagreement that they had. And Joe says there's no beef, but it's clear that the two gentlemen are not cool. Um... You have Joe Budden's former co-host, Rory and Maul, and they had something to say about it. Uh, Maul continuously referred to Joe as the thief uh, while Rory laughed. You had other podcasters. Um, Tackstone said something from jail. Which really, really confused me to some extent because I've always seen Joe support tax. I don't know if it was meant to be like a, you know, tax has that New York. You know what I mean? He's a New York cat. So he, 
he has that rough, raw lingo, say whatever's on my mind. So I don't know if he was saying it in a joking way or if he re- like it really sounded like hate. <laughs> it, it was it was weird to me because to hate on somebody that's been supporting you, it, it can be confusing. Nonetheless, tax has something to say. A lot of people came out and had something to say. Um, one thing that that brings to to the forefront is how much the podcast space is now clicking up. It's feeling like Def Jam versus Rockefeller versus, you know what I mean, everybody else. Like, it, it's starting to get to that point where you see who is aligned with who and who's trying to take who down and all of that. And it's getting messy. It's getting to the point where it's like, yo, if you fuck with that podcast, don't come, don't come over here type shit. Um, but it also is highlighting the fact that the podcast boom that happened between, I would say, 2018 and 2021 disserviced the industry. It wasn't a positive boom that everybody had access to the ability to create a podcast and everybody decided to do so. I'm just keeping it real, keeping it a stack because there's too many podcasts out there. And the reason why I'm making this correlation is because during the outpouring of opinions that Joe received, he did a rant um, and basically told the whole podcasting landscape or a lot of the competition, the reason why they're not number one or the things that they need to look at in terms of becoming number one are in their production value, in their hosts, in what they do altogether. And I happen to agree. A lot of podcasts out, again, after this boom and before the boom, a lot of these podcasts are bad. I like podcasts, so I'm always running to support podcasts. Like, especially when it involves people that have consistently proven that they have interesting theories. They have a great way of thinking. They think outside of the box in ways that I know that I can't. Not to say that I can't podcast at their level. It's just we totally think differently but I love that. So when I see that those type of personalities are saying they're putting a podcast out, I'm running to it. And I'm oftentimes disappointed. That happened with a lot of different podcasts. And that is what Joe pointed out in terms of the interaction between him, Rory and Maul, because Rory and Maul were very loud about, how much they they were loud about the disrespect they were loud about not just saying yo congratulations and moving on right or or keeping some form of yo you keep my name out your mouth i'm gonna keep your name out my mouth they were loud about it and the problem is they've been loud about it as a group i won't say rory because rory has been maintaining that he 
does not speak about Joe Budden. He keeps his name out of his mouth and he doesn't want to be in this back and forth scenario. But Maul has definitely been very, very loud about the disrespect. And I don't know the nature of the beef. Like, it never felt like it was true, true beef. It felt like it was true, true beef when it first happened. And then it seemed like there was a point in time where everybody kind of came to the conclusion of, listen, this situation is unfortunate. It's upsetting that it happened. But let's just move past it. And if that means we don't, you know, fuck with each other on a business level for a while, that's cool. But. We'll just stay in our corners and we won't really speak on anybody negatively. I don't want to sound like I'm defending Joe. I don't know none of these niggas. I, I love saying that disclaimer if, if y'all haven't noticed. I don't know none of these niggas. Okay. I do know niggas that do know these niggas, but I don't know none of these niggas. But I listen to the Joe Budden podcast and he and I listen to Joe when he goes on different platforms. He doesn't really talk about them negatively. Like some people will bring them up and he'll say either the old cast or he'll say, you know, when the other reiter- the other iteration of this show, like he doesn't try to downplay them. And if he does bring them up on the show, he bleeps their names out so that the common person doesn't know exactly who he's talking about. Um, as opposed to. Maul, who, again, I said, has been very, very loud about calling him a thief, um, has gone on a couple of shows and been pretty loud about, you know, disrespecting Joe. Now, again, I don't know what level of beef this really rises to. If it's, if it's just a simple, we really don't fuck with each other based off of what happened, then we don't need to talk about each other at all. But if it's up, up, then I'm not mad at Maul throwing his shots if it's really up up like if it's on some like yo we really got beef now for whatever reason because i'm not in them rooms i don't know what conversations are being had but if it's really up up then i i guess you know i'm not mad at at more feeling like if niggas bring this niggas name up i'm gonna let y'all know who he really is i understand that i don't necessarily think it's the best move i honestly think as Men in their 30s and 40s, they all should at some point just sit the fuck down and have hash out whatever lingering feelings are left. They need to just have a real conversation about it because clearly there are things that everybody is still holding on to. So they need to figure that part out as men that are in their 40s and 30s. That's my personal opinion on it. Um, but outside of that, I'm mad if, if it's up and he feels that way. Um, but I do feel like Joe has the right to defend himself. And that's where these pod wars have been for the last two weeks is both parties throwing shots. Um, but I feel like Joe has the right to defend himself. If, if he's feeling like, yo, every week I've been letting it go that so-and-so has been saying stuff, keeping my name in their mouth and I just let it go. And you sitting next to him and you laughing along. So I'm thinking that you, you with the shits too. And now I'm going to let my clip go. Y'all can't get mad when I let the clip go. Y'all can't like, that's the reality to me. You can't be mad. He let the clip go when y'all been shooting at him for quite some time. But like I said, 
he gave out pointers and obviously in a sarcastic way. But he ain't wrong. Besides Rory and Maul, right? Their fan base has echoed a lot of what Joe said. Which is why I think he said it in the first place. About that podcast. I used to listen to the podcast. I mean, I I listened when they first came out to hear, you know, maybe the what the the new version of that would be. Um and I tried a couple episodes, wasn't for me. Um and a lot of what has been written about that particular podcast is the content can be dry at times. They're not living up to what they said that they would put on the Patreon. One of the strong suits of Rory and Maul where they have amazing skits. Together, they come up with some funny-ass shit as skits. And they've stopped doing that. One of the strongest things that was promoting that podcast and making people run to it and saying, like, yo, they'll be fine on their own. They haven't done on a consistent basis. And they said that they would. They also don't apparently upload to Patreon often enough. Um, and they don't have a schedule. And so that is making people feel like, yo, they're lazy with the content. AKA Joe calling them the bare minimum boys. Um, but also it, it puts into question, do they even want to be podcasters? And that has always been the question for me. Like they were podcasting because Joe was podcasting. That's how they started. It wasn't like Rory was doing a podcast. Maul was doing a podcast. And then they all just decided to come together. It was an ask of Joe and it blew up. It turned into something. I don't think any of them imagined it could be and that they would be the faces of and at the forefront of. And then when it did, they had the unfortunate falling out and Rory and Maul had a decision, I think. They could have gone in different ways or they could have continued to podcast and they decided to continue to podcast, which would make you believe that that was their passion. But it has been said on old episodes of, of the Joe Budden pod that I think Rory had mentioned like he never really had the desire to podcast outside of that podcast. And Maul is just too cool for school to come in to a, a place every week and talk about like what's going on. I feel like in Maul's version of content he thinks that that's corny talking about all these different people um and if they did something corny or da 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 like that has always been Mo's approach is certain things is corny and he don't want to talk about it he'll make a, a quick little comment like yo that's crazy but certain things are corny so he he won't mention it um and all in all again it just puts into question was podcasting really something that they were invested in uh, and the consensus right now seems to be, in some instances, no. It doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem like podcasting um, is working out to the fullest and not based off of the brand, but based off of the effort put into the brand. You have that. 
And then you have the landscape in general. I personally feel like there's a lot of bad podcasts out here. There's a lot of people that just pick up mics and just say things. And because their favorite podcaster got on by being salacious, they are running to get hot takes. I feel like a lot of people um, are arrogant and think that they articulate themselves way better than they actually do. I think that there are podcasters out there that don't have chemistry with their co-hosts and they don't realize how much chemistry drives a show. Like anybody can literally buy a mic, get in front of it and start talking. So that in itself devalued the field that everybody wanted to do it. It was like when the rap game opened up and everybody realized that they they could go to somebody's studio and in studio equipment became a little bit more feasible for people to get. So you had people building studios in their closets. You had people build or uh, going to the studio for $30 an hour. Like it became very accessible. And so everybody who felt like they were a rapper was running around calling themselves a rapper. And then you had the rise of the promoter and the showcase. So everybody who was a rapper felt like, yo, I got a show tonight. Come through to the show. They felt like they were living that lifestyle. You had everybody calling themselves a rapper or singer or artist. Same thing happened to podcasting. Floodgates opened up once everybody looked at it and said, yo, this looks like fun. I think I could do it. And I have access to it. Those three things made that boom go crazy. And you had industry come in and try to take two people, throw them in front of a mic, or take one person, put them in front of a mic, give their celebrity status, uh, see Kim Kardashian, and da-da-da-da-da, sit together and talk about life. Like, they, they tried to do a lot of those, and it oversaturated the market with a bunch of foolishness. And some podcasts still are sticking around through the foolishness, even though... Their heart isn't in the content, even though their heart isn't in the actual business of podcasting. Let me tell you something right now. I hope our listeners know how much I appreciate them because today was a struggle to come in and record. Not going to hold you like. I came in. was ready to record, set everything up and realized a, a memory card was missing. So now I got to go buy a memory card, but there's no stores where this this office is. So I got to go walk to the store that's like 20 minutes away, get the memory card, and then walk back, get it together. You know what I mean? But I love this shit. Podcasting is fun to me. Podcasting with Distinguish is amazing to me. A lot of people, we influenced a lot of people to become podcasters through our chemistry. I don't even think it was the content. It was the chemistry. The way we present on camera, a lot of people really find that entertaining and fun. And a lot of people have told us they wanted to emulate it. We didn't birth at least three niggas podcasters. And I'm really lowballing it. I'm just keeping it sweet. But. I'm being a little arrogant right now, but I'm saying it because 
I love it, right? This is not just something we didn't jump on the trend. We started this trend. Or we're one of the people to start. I'll say it that way. We didn't start podcasts, and I'm not I'm not saying that at all. But we were here way before anybody else was talking about I want to start a podcast. We were here when we said, yo, we got a podcast, and niggas would say to us, what the fuck is that? That's when we were here. That's when dad hats and bow ties was in operation. Totally different time. We were here when it was cool to go on live while doing your show. When dare do that shit now. But we were doing that. We would get large audiences on our lives while doing the show. I'm talking about 2016, 2017. This new age of podcasting started in 2015. So when Joe Budden is putting out information that confirms how I've been feeling for a long period of time about the podcasting landscape, I ain't mad at him. These pod wars are real because it's becoming a popularity contest like fucking high school. Everybody got to click up with who they don't fuck with and or who they fuck with, who they don't. And then they're trying to gatekeep everybody else out. That's the next thing, Joe, you didn't mention this, but I'm going to mention it. Fuck it. The gatekeeping shit is corny. It's 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 corny. A lot of people took that shit from the music industry. That shit is corny. If you got young podcasters that you know for a fact got some shit, why would you not want to mentor them? Why would you not want to be responsible for putting on the next and having your lineage be shown through them and how successful they can be? And yet that's happening in podcasting. This shit ain't even old enough for y'all niggas to be trying to gatekeep. And that's the problem with our culture sometimes. We are never looking to help the next. We're always looking at the next as competition. And I'm speaking from real life experience. I'm speaking from meeting some of your favorite podcasters. Having conversations. And getting the sense that they feared. Dad had some bow ties way more than they looked at us as friends, even though in our face they smiling. Even though in our face, they're acting like we're friends. even though they're looking for us to support them. And we did. Some of your favorite podcasters. Trying to gatekeep other black people from learning maybe what 
needs to happen to bring them to the next level. It's corny. And it's a disservice to you because you could get niggas that got ideas. And I ain't just talking about us. Don't don't think this is a, a rant about dad had some bow ties. I'm very happy with what me and my brother have been able to accomplish over the last couple of years, who we've been able to interview, how we've been able to do things. And there are plans in place to do a hell of a lot more. So this ain't about me. And this ain't about that had some bow ties. But what ends up happening is when we don't look into mentoring the next generation, we get what we got in 2020 to 2022. A bunch of people who have no clue about nothing, just jumping into the business and fucking it up. You got all these manospheres, they call it, podcasts, where a bunch of niggas just complaining about, well, women do this and women do that. And then looking for something salacious to say to then clip up and throw on Instagram and throw on YouTube. That's not that's not what podcasting is about. Podcasting to me is about finding something you're passionate about talking about or finding something that you know you have chemistry with somebody else in regards to talking about and then making something that is entertaining as fuck for others to listen to taping of it became a big thing too so watch that's what podcasting is about but because we're not able to mentor the next generation or some of us are not interested in mentoring the next generation Niggas is going and trying to get it on their own, which is a good thing sometimes. It is. But also, it's a bad thing because then you get an oversaturated market with a bunch of bullshit. Then you get a bunch of conversations where the common consensus has shifted from, yo, podcasting is one of the most amazing things to happen to, yo, can we lock up podcast equipment? Because what the fuck are people talking about these days? Niggas is just saying shit now. Niggas is just clipping up anything. And I'm not mad at that. I think it's true. Niggas is just clipping up anything. It's one thing when you say some wild shit and you ain't even realized that it was some wild shit. You were just saying what was on your heart, what was on your chest. That's what Charlemagne was great at. Charlemagne was great at just saying shit and really just being like, nigga, I didn't even mean it that way. Y'all took it that way. It's hilarious and it was a little fucked up. Joe is is pretty good at that too. That's totally different from the nigga that is sitting there like, yo, what can I say that I know once niggas see it, it's going to go viral for all the wrong reasons. And that's what happened because podcasting just got looked at as the next way to get put on. Because niggas is not Teaching other niggas how to do it So if Joe Budden's clapback Is teaching niggas how to do it I ain't mad at that clapback I'm sorry I'm not And I think it's true I think it goes across the board Whoever it applies to it applies to But I think 
we need to learn how to advance the conversation in podcasting without gatekeeping. Um, I think we need to take a real good look in the mirror about why some of us are even doing these podcasts. Is this a money grab? Is this a passion? What is it? And we got to return to the quality of it and not the names attached, not the, not trying to turn, not trying to name brand shit out. It's Gucci because it has two big names on it and nothing but bullshit is coming out. But I will say that there's, there's a lot of hope. I'm seeing some quote unquote underground podcast starting to rise up. Like I'm starting to see podcasting from individuals that you don't know who the hell they are until this podcast came about, um, take center stage. And I think that's how it really should be. It's it real podcasting will never work when it's just based off of name, name brand who's attached to it. Um, it always works based off of the things I mentioned before, like chemistry, good content, articulation, being knowledgeable, being passionate, but really like authentic passion, not fabricated. That's all I got to say about that. Um, so y'all got to stop playing with, with Haley's sister, y'all. I don't know who told y'all that was a good idea. But Haley went on the internet the other day and said, I'm going to come out of character and I'm not talking Little Mermaid. Stop playing with the people I love or it's going to be an issue. And I have no problem with that. I'm with Haley. Stop fucking around. Stop playing. Stop playing on these young girls' names. One thing I will say, though, is, Haley, tell your boyfriend's friends that, too. Because there was a live going around and these niggas was definitely playing on Chloe's name. Okay. Had some dusty, crusty nigga talking about. Yo, you know, her album sales ain't do that well. So maybe I could be the one to support her and comfort her. Nigga, what? This is why niggas is corny. And that's not the name of the episode. Okay, this is raw and uncut. All right, y'all getting a different side of XAB today. So I got to title it raw and uncut. And like I said, this is like a little bit of a preview of how we're going to be talking on, on Patreon. We might get a little worse than this, but, you know, this thing which is wild. And I, I don't know. I don't condone some of that shit, but he be having some takes. And I got I have to question that. You got to explain that to me, bro. But, um, yeah, on live talking kind of spicy, DDG did get off the live because um, I guess he felt like they were being a little disrespectful. But. Yeah, talking about Chloe's album sales and how they were low and um, that DDG is not putting him on and what's up with that, da-da-da-da. Let's talk about the album sales. First of all, music album sales are down all across the board. Um, so I just want the average consumer to be aware of that. That does not change anything regarding... Chloe sales because I do feel like Chloe should have done more. She should have been able to, to get more copies out. 
yet the standard has changed. So it's really hard to navigate. Not everybody is going to do 400K like Drake. We know that. But as I mentioned, like they changed certain rules as to what counts as an album sale. So ever since that rule change, I've been seeing nothing but low um, numbers when it comes to albums. With that being said, it's it's what we we've been speaking about. When you think about an artist like Chloe in the music industry, in the entertainment business, when you think about an artist like Chloe, you think about marketing her to 21 to 15 year olds. That is the broad market or or the primary market that you would say to yourself make sense for her music to be pushed to her audience is probably primarily there her audience is similar in age therefore they're probably similar in experience and they're going to resonate with her so you would look to that market to be primary you would even probably look at 21 to 25 to be secondary a little bit older, um, may not look to her to be their idol because that's what that's why you tend to market downward is because the artist then ends up in a position where they're being looked up to and they're looked at as the leader of said culture. So you would want a 21-year-old to resonate to Chloe, but also look to her to set trends and then follow Chloe's trends. That doesn't necessarily happen when you watched Chloe grow up. So, like, you got to exclude, even though 30 and 35 to 35 is listening to Chloe for sure, you got to exclude it from what your mission would be in breaking a new artist. You want to break them in a way where they get a cult following. You're not getting a cult following for Chloe from 35-year-olds. You're not doing that. It's not happening. Now, her talent is transitional. It can go, it definitely hits with 30-plus. It definitely hits with 16. That's a good thing. Herein lies the problem. You have to learn how to market that. So you have to learn what single to put out. First, you got to, again, designate your market. So if your market is 16 to 21 or 15 to 21, you have this transformational artist that is also transitional. They can do ballads. They can do the boppy joint. They can do a techno joint. They 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 are literally mini Beyonce in the facet of being able to do almost anything they want to with their voice. So they can do it. Now's the tricky part of what aspect of that talent do we want to highlight and put to the forefront? And that is where Chloe's branding and marketing is not matching up. 
because the branding for a long period of time has been girl next door. The branding has been grownish. The branding has been Chloe and Haley with Haley being more reserved, but with being paired with her older sister, they both shared a middle space where now if you look at it, maybe it was that Chloe really wanted to go into a more sexual realm and Haley definitely was like, nah. So when paired, they stayed in the middle ground. You could look at it that way. You could say that, yo, Chloe really wanted to be this type of Chloe for a long period of time. She's been showing everybody that she wanted to be a little bit more understood from a sexual realm um, than she has been. Or a grown realm, not even just sexual, but a grown realm than she has been. Can make that argument. And then now her stepping out and doing her own solo debut album is allowing her to do that. That still doesn't speak to the fumble that I think is happening with the way this is branded. Because if you know that that's her brand, you might lead with some different types of singles, which they did at first. They had a bunch of different songs that were a little bit more middle ground. And then this time around to lead out the project, you fumble because you give the instant success package instead of actually tailoring the package to the artist at hand. And what do I mean by that? The instant success package is let's grab the hottest in certain sectors, pair her next to them, let it be known that she has this cosign, promote that, and hope that everybody recognizes her as the next up. So let's grab Chris Brown. Let's grab Future. Let's grab Missy. Let's put them all on the project. And let's promote that. Yo, she got Future. She got Chris on this project. People that are arguably considered legends in their own rights. But you don't look at the branding of it. I'm not saying don't do the Chris Brown song. I'm not saying don't do the Future song. I'm saying when you promote with those songs forward, it doesn't seem like you looked at who Chloe is and who her audience is or has been and what they are used to from Chloe. And that's not a Chloe problem, right? Like we've spoken about the whole idea of is there too much pressure on a girl who is growing into a woman or already is a woman, but uh, is is a young adult turning into an older adult. Is, too many, is there too much pressure about how sexual she can be in the limelight or not? And that's not what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking specifically from the idea of branding and what makes sense in how you brand somebody. If you know you've already curated and created a certain audience 
around this individual that is a certain type of way. They, they've been looking at this individual in a particular way for a certain period of time. Then you find a way to grow that and not shock them. The branding around this was shock value-ish. And that's not the best way to sell an album. Because what it puts fans in the mindset of is I'm confused as to what I'm going to get from this. So I'm not even going to waste my time. And maybe not even fans because the core fans are going to run to it. That, that was the wrong wording. Core fans are going to run to it regardless. But if I'm curious about Chloe and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm interested to see what she does. But all this time I've been hearing about this wholesome girl um, or I've been been seeing the branding of a wholesome image. And then the first song that I hear is going to be on the solo project is Cheat Back. With Future. Okay, well, maybe what I thought she was doing in music is not what she's doing. I don't even want to waste my time listening to that shit. Or I'll I'll listen to it when I listen to it. Because I don't think I'm going to get what I thought I was and what I was looking forward to getting. I think it's just, it's, it, it sounds like it's just another microwavable project. And I think that is what happened to Chloe. Picking the Chris Brown song didn't take into account that many of... Chloe's fans would be turned off from that. Many of Chloe's fans are going to instantly go. They're TikTok and Gen Zers. They're instantly going to go to the fact that there are too many allegations uh, and or proven domestic violence cases with Chris Brown that they're not going to celebrate that. That's like if you would have paired her with Trey Songs. You got the same response, if not worse. And so that is where the care in the marketing of the brand and even the curation of the brand seem to be lacking, which then leads to what I mentioned before, brand confusion. And again, the core fan base, they don't give a fuck. One, they know Chloe better than the casual fan. So they've been following the detailed aspects of who she is, the interviews, the conversation every movie she didn't been in or show she didn't been in every song she didn't appeared on they know all of that so they have a totally different perspective of who chloe is so they're always going to be most of the time nine times out of ten cool with how the brand looks because they understand it deeper but the casual fan that shock of i don't know what what i'm getting here that turns them off I'll give two prime examples. Summer Walker's sophomore album. Still over it. They led with that teeny bop ass single with the City Girls. And almost all of Summer's fan base said, what the fuck is this? I don't know if I like it. I got to keep listening to it. I don't like it. What are they doing with Summer? Yo, Summer, this better not be the full album. I'm pretty sure that that did make her lose a couple of sales. But what redeemed her, which is different, 
is when she released the track list, a lot of the song titles sounded like something Old Summer would have written. And so people were still curious about, I, that single ain't hit the way we thought it should hit, but this album still sounds like it's going to be a summer album. So management definitely did their, their job, but there was a misstep, I think, with that single. And even Summer. Summer was like, I didn't want to put that single out. That's not what I wanted to lead with. But they were playing a game. They were playing a different game than just putting out music. They were trying to get a particular reach. And so that's why they decided to go with with the single that most of Summer's core fan base was like, uh, I don't know. That was actually kind of like a flip scenario where... They were trying to get more of the casual fans' attention um, and did it at, at the disregard of the core fan base. But I think that was done with the idea that the core fan base isn't going anywhere. Let's do something that might get some new ears listening to this music. But again, that brand shock and confusion, I'm pretty sure affected. A lot of negative... She got a lot of negative reviews before people got to listen to the album and then those negative reviews turned into a little bit more positive. And then you got Black. Black released around the same time as Chloe and Black, I think, he finished off with like 17K. And again, I told y'all the music industry in terms of selling music is, is just down in general. But he finished off with like 17K, I believe. And again, another... Incident of brand confusion. Black has been consistent with a very moody, dark sound. And before this project came out, there was there were a lot of press releases that very much indicated this project was not going to sound like the others. It was like they were trying to get in front of the fact that the sound was going to be different. And many fans might not like the new sound. And then he led with a single that was different from what he normally would lead with. Black's fan base is a little different because they've been with him for years. So the core is the core. You're not going to lose many. But there's also the excitement. When we talk about politics, we talk about exciting the base. And when you excite the bass, what does the bass end up doing? The bass will go and they'll try to excite others. They'll try to get people involved that maybe weren't involved in politics before. They'll try to go recruit and get new people. They're excited. They are willing to participate in the process no matter what. Same thing happens every time an artist releases music. You have to excite the bass. So that the bass is running around talking about, yo, can't wait for that new black to drop. When Drake did that surprise drop and he dropped that track list and then said, yo, this is coming out tonight. For that last project before the 21. Honestly, never mind. That excited the bass because we remembered what it was like when he did that with if you're reading this is too late. So, oh, snap. This is Drake about to snap, y'all. 
It's about to get nasty out here. That's what we got. And then when we listened to it, a lot of us was like, oh, this ain't for us. I don't know what this is. But the effort excited the bass. He did it again when he did drop the 21 Savage collab. Dropped the music video and said, yo, this is coming out next week. Excited the bass. When you depress the bass by confusing them where they don't even know if they're going to like what they get, then you shrink the impact of the project. And that's what happened to Chloe. Chloe's fans were, I think, at least the casual ones. The cores, the cores went out and listened. But the casual fan, I think, took its time to go to the project. Took their time, rather, to go to the project because they didn't know what they were going to get. And they were confused. And it does not align. I'm sorry. The way Chloe presents herself in interviews, the way she presents herself in other medium, none of it says cheat back. Even when Chloe did Swarm, she mentioned in an interview that she hasn't had many partners, and that's why Swarm was a little bit of a... It was a moment for her because she had to get used to it and Idris did a great job helping her. But it was partly because she hasn't had many partners. When you're talking about cheating back, I'm not saying that cheaters all got a body count crazy, crazy. But when you talk about cheat back, you're talking about, and again, you don't have to fuck to cheat, but you're talking about the common understanding of what that means. And the common understanding is, oh, okay, if you're not going to respect me and and care for me and you're going to cheat on me, I'm going to show you what it's like to get cheated on. And I think in the song she was talking about, yeah, I'm going to do some, you know, different shit with this nigga than I done with you type shit. So you are alluding to like a sexual thing. And after you've said real life, you is not that. So, yeah, now it's like, is this just straight entertainment? And and to be honest, the audience doesn't want that. The audience wants to feel like they know who you are through the art that you're putting out. They want to feel like they're getting an update. As to what's going on in pieces, name of the project. Is this going to reference Diggy? Is this going to reference a little bit of Gunna? Where are these in pieces stories coming from and what are they leading to? And yeah, you can make an argument that cheating back definitely indicates a person that is in pieces and is hurt so bad that they're doing something that is counterproductive. But it don't come off that way, especially with Future, which that was an odd pairing, too, in my opinion. Like Future is perfect for that song because Future is Future. But brand wise, I don't know. I would have seen if I could get somebody else to do it. (laughs) Like. Like I'd have had Future on some other type of shit. But. The pairing didn't it didn't 100 percent match for me. Um, and, and again, I think that, and I'm highlighting it because it le- it lends itself to that brand confusion problem. Why the fuck is future with Chloe? 
Why is that the lead single or one of them? Why is it, you just led with the, the shit that doesn't align with the brand that we don't we don't think that Chloe and Chris Brown are chilling on the weekends, y'all. We don't. We, we damn sure know that Chloe and 40 year old future ain't chilling around. So the branding don't make no sense to 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 push those pro, to push those singles. Knowing that her fan base is probably 21 to 16. And the the mindset would have been, would have been. We can get a little bit of the attention of the older audience by having future and and the, the trap niggas by having future to to potentially come and check out the project. But y'all would have been better with little baby. Y'all would have been better with Dirk, honestly. That song would have been out of here if Dirk was on there. And, and, and Dirk can coon too. I mean, croon. Wow, coon is crazy. Can croon too. Dirk know how to do that. And that would have had him stepping out his box a little bit. Listen, if you need to hire that has some bow ties, let us know. Um, but that that that's the unfortunate piece where when it is coming to Chloe right now. I hope she comes back stronger. Um, and I hope this is a learning experience for her team. Cause I, I don't I don't fault Chloe. Chloe did her fucking thing on that project. I still encourage everybody to go listen to it. It is a very good project. It's well put together. The people who are marketing her dropped the ball. And to be able to supplement their bad decision making. That is what I've noticed. Okay. So what she's basically saying is I'm going to run the checkup on this credit card. I'm going to let the payment on the credit card overrun me and become too much. And the only man that can get with me must be able to help me with this. I'm going to get a car I can't afford. I'm going to get a Mercedes Benz S63 AMG, even though I don't know that AMG has one mechanic, one specialized mechanic. So the man that gets with her got to be able to pay that 1200 for that routine maintenance. That's what women are essentially saying. And it's unfair. I'm going to tell you right now, it's unfair to black men to have to hustle and do more than the average man has to do, because it's not about really what a man can provide. It's about what y'all can build together. The large majority of relationships are building together. Up front, this woman is saying, you must be able to finance my luxury. God damn. You already know what time it is. It's relationship X. <laughs> it's relationship X now. Um Well well damn, sir. I mean I could play this from two sides of the field. I can. I I prefer not to. Um, but I could. He's not wrong in terms of the social media expectation that everybody tends to put to the forefront. I'm constantly reminded of this, so I, I want to lead with, I do not, and I agree, I do not find this mindset to be as prevalent in real life. I think there are people influenced by these mindsets and they test it in real life, but like I, I've heard the horror stories of niggas that need places to sleep. 
and that's why they got into a relationship with somebody as not as much but i've heard about them but the bottom line is this when you're dating from survival this is what we get when people man or woman date from survival this is the level of quality that we get in the dating pool and that's low and it's the reality there are a lot of women That have financially created a lifestyle similar to what he stated, where they've made some bad financial decisions and they hurting, their pockets is hurting. And when they come across a man, they manipulate this idea of providership to mean. This man needs to be responsible for their bad behavior and their bad decisions. So as he mentioned, like you might be comfortable buying a $4,000 purse on your credit card, knowing that you only make 45,000 a year and it's going to take you about two years to pay that shit off. But then a man comes into your life and you like, well, you don't have no worth here unless you're paying a bill because you're sitting there looking like, oh, shit, if I could get this nigga to pay a bill, then I can get myself back right with my credit and with everything else. I could get back back situated. I won't say that this is like overly common. I'm not going to say like this is a practice that I didn't bumped across over and over and over, but I have seen. That when people are trying to operate and date while surviving, again, men and women, they don't show up as the best version of themselves. You are focused on surviving. You are focused on trying to keep your head above water. That's what you're really focused on. And so now you're looking at someone who is trying to be a partner and build a life with you, you're looking at them like they're an opportunity. Opportunity to help you get out of whatever fuck situation you in. And that's not right. That goes to the nigga that don't got no place to stay, so they sexing on a girl real good. Using old nigga terminology, sexing on a girl real good so that she could tell them, babe, you could stay with me. And that goes for the woman that is telling men up front, well, you need to pay a bill if you're trying to get some. This isn't supposed to be transactional. It's supposed to be loving. And I can hear it now, so let me address it. I can hear, well, some of these niggas ain't worth loving on, so I got to. I got to search for relationship through means and not through love. If that is what you're doing, stop fucking with them niggas. Those type of niggas. 
if every nigga you came across made you feel like they wasn't worth your time, your energy, your love. So now when you look for niggas, you're not even looking to be loved. That is a problem. And you have to stop operating with them niggas. But the, the means of survival and trying to adopt a lifestyle will have someone pay for a lifestyle rather that you created for yourself without doing the proper budgeting, without doing the proper financial understanding of what you're doing. And now you're in survival mode and now you see a nigga come through and he's taking you on a nice first date because he has to. And now you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, well, don't lead with money. Leading with money is totally different, in my opinion. I think on a first date, most men are going to try and put their best foot forward. So they might splurge a little extra. They might make sure that you have a real, real good time on that first date because they're trying to leave a good impression. You got some niggas that go overboard and they, you know what I mean, they fly out to you and they buy the Lamborghini and they really... Hitting they nigga on the side, they homeboys on the side, like, yo, send me 300. I got to maintain this for another day, and I don't got it. Like, you got those niggas, and that shit corny to me. But you also got niggas that are just like, yo, this is the first date. I want to leave a lasting impression, even if it's the last date. I want her to be able to look at it and say, yo, that date was really good. I ain't really, you know what I mean, fuck with him that much. But that was a really memorable date. And so you're going to do what you can. To make that the scenario, to make that situation stand out, you will. So don't use that now and be like, well, you know, well, he led with that. So if I ask him for bread, he should be comfortable with it. That's not how it works. <laughs> that's that's not right. And as he said, that's not fair. And that is, I think, where you, with these new mics and these podcasts and men having a voice, you're starting to hear more about that. Starting to hear more about how men feel about situations where they are spending and, and splurging um, to maintain somebody's lifestyle because of the bad decisions that they made. Because they ain't really financially right. Oh, my phone bill about to be cut off. And you telling me you can't pay my phone bill for me? No, I just met you three weeks ago. And you telling me that is concerning. To be honest, shit, you can't maintain your bills? And now it's my responsibility if I wanted to get to know you and, and see if we could build together? Well, you're already showing me that we can't build shit because you financially going to have both of us fucked up. Oh, yeah. All right. We have come to the end of the show, y'all. Have come to the conclusion of Raw and Uncut with XA Feet. <laughs> Distinguished will be back next week. Um, so you know what time it is. It is the tough knot, aka um, what would dad say? There ain't no tough knot today, obviously. So you might get two what would dad say. I'm I'm debating. But the first one is stop putting y'all burnt food on IG. It don't look good. Stop putting that shit in your story. Stop. Stop. Y'all niggas be in such a rush to pull out the phone and do the little scan of the plate. Not every plate look good. 
That shit looked crazy. <laughs> okay. Stop. All right. That's what that would tell y'all niggas. Stop putting the fucking burnt food, burnt, dirty, nasty food on your goddamn IG live or on your fucking story, your Snapchat, your TikToking. Shit look nasty. It's not right. Stop. Only do that shit. Y'all got, we got to start bringing rules back <laughs> and shame. Only do that shit when the plate look bussing. Where you going to have niggas being like, damn, where you get that from? Not when you going to have niggas like me sitting there like, what the fuck is that? Why are you showing me a burnt chicken wing? Like that's something to be proud of. It's not. Stop. <laughs> fuck. Y'all niggas gotta get it together Y'all get me tight It's spring The spring feel like summer We gotta be tight It's the first fucking real summer Without thinking about COVID Nobody's been thinking about COVID no more It's gonna be lit This summer Lit Y'all can't bring the goofiness out Get your wigs right Get your wings right (laughs) Don't put no motherfucking Well done steak On fucking IG Fucking hockey pucks. Nigga, get your, get your meat rare. Okay? Get your meat rare. Get it medium rare. Okay? Stop putting fucking burnt cow hoof looking shit. That's not the part of the cow you're supposed to eat. That shit off my IG, man. Another episode of the Hats and Bow Ties. And another thing before I fucking go. I just saw this shit. The plate has to be bussing. Go to a nice restaurant. Y'all niggas are showing me the Waffle House Waffle. Why? That don't look good. You pouring the, the, the dry syrup on the Waffle House Waffle. I'm out.